Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. I'm Justin. What just happened? I'm Pete. <laughs> and on the stack, we talk about a bunch of comics that have come out this very Wednesday, this Ooh. very day. We review them, we talk about them, and then we tell you what we think. That's right. And as usual, Alex has just finished a heavy glass of Southern Comfort, um, so he is deep into his y'alls. Ooh, I am cooking up some nice barbecue right over here in my smoker. I'm very excited for you all to try it. A wow, very classic Southern thing to do. Yep. Uh, you guys. <laughs> want some coleslaw? <laughs> I'm cooking it up in my smoker. A man of all America, Alex Alvin. Beans, I got a can that. of beans in my smoker. My children are in my smoker. Oh, come on, man. Uh, oh. Smoke those kids. Yeah, smoke those kids. Here's something you can put in your pipe and smoke it. From Marvel Comics, King Thor, number one, bringing back together Jason Aaron and Asad Ribic for Jason Aaron's final tale Ribic. of Thor. What? Ribic? Ribic? Is it Ribic? Ribic. I think so. Okay. I wasn't sure if I was saying it wrong. No, it's crushing it. Uh, so he has been writing a story for, what, seven years? Something crazy. It's a very, very long, long period time. of time. And this is wrapping everything together. This is telling a story of the King Thor, the Thor at the end of time, fighting Loki for the very last time. There's, of course, twists and turns and big things from throughout his run. What would you guys think about this book? Jason Aaron wrote the original myth, Thor, and has oh. been sort of developing the property ever since. Wow, uh, smart. Actually, Myth Thor was named Jane Foster. <laughs> hey. Hey. Uh, yeah, I, it, I just uh, read the last issue of his Thor comic, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, led right into this. So it was, uh, it was that was sort of bittersweet to see him move on to this. But I love that he's ending in sort of this thing that he created, um, which is a bit of a side quest um, in the main Thor mythology. Well, we'll see if way. it is. We'll see if it's a side quest, because I do feel like particularly there's a thing that happens towards the end of the issue that I don't want to spoil, but you can kind of see it coming over the course of the issue that is starting to bring together a lot of other things that have happened in his run. And I'm curious to see how much it will impact the main Marvel universe versus being just a end of time, seemingly side story. It is crazy in the Marvel universe, how much null and sort of the symbiote Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. has become like just a little, like a, 
woven into the fabric of the Marvel Universe? Well, I think part of that, not to get back to barbecue, uh, you can smell the smoker in here, but uh, Jason Aaron and Donnie Cates sat down over a big meal of barbecue and hashed out a bunch of things together. So they're definitely dovetailing their two stories together. They got excited about each other's ideas. It's very cool. Yeah, and they're building a fun mythology together. They're like Simon and Garfunkel, if they were both Simons. Ooh, Simon and Simon? That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which you can watch, which is the same. It's it's just two songwriters crushing it. (laughs) (laughs) You go back and watch Simon and Simon. But this book here kind of deals with the thing that everybody kind of deals with. If you have a brother, at some point you want to murder your brother. And it's really just kind of hyping that up. And Thor kind of dealing with the fact of like he's never really wanted to kill Loki. But he's kind of like, uh, this might be it. I might have to finally put this guy down. So in the relationship you're describing, are you the Thor or the Loki? Thor all day. Interesting. All day. And if you day. consider our relationship a brotherhood, which one of us? You're are Loki. You? There's no question about it. There's <laughs> no question. You're going to throw him into the sun? Oh, yeah. Good luck, motherfucker. This guy the loves sun makes tan. me stronger. I'll tell you what, I do love a good sun throwing. I, I enjoy that. Taking your problems, <laughs> throwing them into the you sun. Right into the You're smoker. a sucker for that. That's your favorite part of Green I, Lantern? Like. You love throwing yeah, things into the sun? Yeah, of all the great parts of the Green Lantern movie, yeah. that's my absolute favorite yeah. part. You loved it. Don't yeah. go down this <laughs> road. It's just, it's like all podcasts across the world are being turned off right now. Yes. When you say, I Riddick, love Green uh, The art is gorgeous. He so works good. brilliantly with Jason Aaron. Um, there's so much fun mythology stuff here. As I said, I think there's plenty of twists to come. Uh, even if you haven't ever read his Thor run before, I think you can jump in right here. He does a yeah. good job of explaining everything. It's big action. It's end of the world stuff. Very it's fun. Bleak. Love the Daughters of Thunder as well. Love yeah. them too. Moving on to a Comicsology book. This is from two friends of the podcast, James Asmus and Jim Festante. Field Tripping number one. This is the second Woo-hoo. original title from Comicsology that is coming out under their Comicsology Originals banner. And this one is a twisted take on the magic school bus. That's yeah. basically the concept yeah, there. Yeah. Um, I I thought this was a lot of fun. It's a very silly, as you would expect from James and Jim, uh, but it get, sets up a really interesting plot ongoing by the end that, again, I don't necessarily want to spoil, but uh, I enjoyed this. I, I thought this was a good time. Now, we know these guys from the comedy world. Yes. yes. So that's fun to see them really making these moves. And Comixology has a whole uh, new thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing you just, stuff. just coming to grips with that? Just being like, no, it's, I, it's just Seeing it all in one thing is, uh, it's just fun. I feel like there's always a, a dearth of, of comedy comics and to see, like, fun takes, strong takes that have a comedic uh, bent always exciting. Yeah. One thing that I I liked about this in particular was I kept expecting it to become Magic School Bus, but a la, say, I Hate Fairyland or South Park, where it gets really dirty and gross and disgusting and adult, but they never take that route with the comedy. It still feels very all ages, which I appreciated a lot. I feel like that's an easy choice, especially comedically, Mm because it just makes it clear what all the game of the whole book will be, and to not make that choice is, is is a good choice. Also, it kind of fits the art style. The art style is, it seems more all ages than, you know, uh, like a dark comedy type of thing. So well, I'm glad that they kept it that way. It's still pretty dark by the end. Like, there's some dark stuff happening Sure, there. sure, but it's not uh, like, you know. Yes, but it's still appropriate for, say, teen readers or something like that. It's not necessarily delving into, like, utter darkness and exploding bodies or anything. At least yeah. yet. I uh, tell you, I wish they had stuff like this when I was in school. 
Nice. Wait, Badger books? school buses? Yeah, yeah, school buses. You had to ride a regular school, school buses? buses? Yeah. Just general school Just buses? Just school buses that flew to different cool oh, locations. Oh, you wanted magic school buses. Yeah, I want a magic school bus. You know, I mean, these kids today are so spoiled, man. Did well, you, I wanted you... to go to school. Aww. Oh, yes, Alex, horrifyingly homeschooled. You had a magic, like, bedroom, though, <laughs> I had right? a magic mommy. <laughs> oh, that's... Fun. That's just as fun. <laughs> Aren't all moms magic? Ooh, uh, nice. Uh, so that's good. Pick that up. Moving on to a DC comic book, Batman number 78. This is Batman and Catwoman's European oh, vacation. Man. They're just having that's a lovely great. time at the beach, just chilling out with their mustaches. All good stuff. Uh, while Gotham fucking burns, and oh, I was so wow. that's the hardest part. That's I was the, so mad. That's what kills me. you. No, that's what, what kills me. I would. I all I wanted is this issue, but they gave it to me at such an awful time that I can't fucking enjoy it. When you go on vacation, you leave behind your troubles. Right. You don't go on vacation like, oh, what's going on at the office? Do you? That's completely different. Why? You're the Batman of your office, Pete. There's no doubt about that. You keep your office safe from, I don't know, misfilings or whatever. Yeah. Do you think, like, Bane keeps sending him emails and getting his out-of-office autoresponder? Oh, the worst uh, thing. Hey, Batman. <laughs> I'm like, what's the deal? Yeah. <laughs> what are you coming back to Gotham? Uh, this is my third attempt to reach you. <laughs> Uh, Batman's out of the office for the next <laughs> six, six to eight days. If you need, <laughs> if you need this any, didn't make if, you mad. Uh, just, if you need to reach anyone, just check into one, one of the Robins. If you reach the Robins, if you haven't been reading the book, uh, Bane has taken over Gotham. The villains are running Gotham. Batman was beaten. Uh, his father, Thomas Wayne, from an altered dimension, has taken over as Batman of Gotham City. Uh, Batman and Catwoman had a huge breakup back in Batman number fifty that absolutely emotionally destroyed him before he's physically destroyed. Catwoman found him almost dead on a mountain, and she has slowly been nursing him back to health in yeah. Paris. Yeah. Uh, That's a great place to nurse. Is it Paris? Magnum P.I. styles. The, I don't know if they're still in Paris, but they were. Okay, but they're definitely in Europe somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so they've been out there while everything is going There are no beaches Gotham. in Paris, so they're definitely not there right yes, now. Yes, the thing that frustrated me, and this is uh, it's expertly drawn by Clay Mad. So it's beautiful. so well written by Tom King, but from a plot perspective... The fact that they make it clear that Batman's like, ooh, Bane's too strong. He's taken over the city while they're ordering drinks. I was like, no, I don't care. He switched to, to a ginger. He switched to a ginger ale first off. Oh my god, this doesn't frustrate you, Justin? No, because I think he he was broken by Bane twice in his life, and uh, he is maybe he needs, more. Maybe, yeah, we don't maybe we don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah. they had other confrontations. Like, yeah. Around the office, perhaps, like we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, he can be a real dick with uh, oh, the refrigerator. Yeah. Um, no, I'm saying Batman knows he can't go back and beat him, so he's not going I'm to. sorry, Batman, but I eat your sandwich. <laughs> hey, uh, who ate my sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't wait. It wasn't Bane, was it? <laughs> does it? Does it feel like I ate your sandwich? Oh, man. No, but this is so torturous. Tom King is perfect. Perfectly putting this in the worst spot possible. No, uh, I've wanted this issue forever, and he gave it to me at a time when I can't fucking enjoy it. No, Batman. No, he's he's smart. He's a smart man. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Not he, currently, though. Well, but I would argue he knows he can't win. He has to fix himself and get better. When you're in the hospital, you're not like, oh, I got to go back to work right now. You wait until you're healthy, and then you go. 
I it was yeah, the, it was the back... relaxing on the beach and going on dates that yeah. bothered me. Oh. I don't he's think also, he, re- he needs to be emotionally repaired uh, with his relationship with Catwoman. I don't know. Bad. I liked it. It was a a perfect balance of like sitting on the beach and like relaxing, trying to like recenter, and having these huge intense conversations about his relationship. Plus, when you have a mustache, nothing matters. <laughs> Is that true, Pete? <laughs> you have one of those big mustaches that covers your entire face. Yeah, that's called a beard. Oh, that's uh, a beard. Okay. That's the word people have been I've using. Seen, I've been wondering. I didn't that. know about that. I thought a beard was the, with bees. Well, that's a very good comic book. Let's move on to a Marvel comic book, Powers of X, number four. Pete is already shaking his head, but Pete is, of course, keeping a very much an open mind as we talk about these comic books with the understanding <laughs> that he is... Frustrated because they're not giving it all in the, at and once. Alex is talking to Pete like a father talks to a child who <laughs> is misbehaving at an important party. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. Uh, so in this issue, if you haven't paid attention to Powers of Ten, uh, the idea of this book is it jumps through the different time periods of the X-Men. Here we get a bunch of important information, but the most important thing of all is we once again get Jonathan Hickman's Mr. Sinister, which is fucking oh, fantastic. So funny. Wow. Oh it's my so god! Crazy. Oh, I love it. I can't believe you said Mister Sinister and not Cipher. This is how are you not excited about oh, the Cypher? this uh, issue? Was a delight for yeah for you, top to bottom. So let's let's break it down. There are three sections. There's the first section, which is Mister Sinister, Sinister, who's like pretty sassy, sort of like They're fucking around, over the top sass, over oh the top god. sass. It's so funny, so funny. Uh, His little aside. So there's a thing where one of the Mister Sinisters they go to the island. This is Magneto and Professor Xavier. They have gotten all the information about what's going to happen in X-Men continuity from Moira McTaggart. They are traveling to Mr. Sinister before they meet him in the comic books to his island. Bar Sinister. That is filled with Mr. Sinisters, and they want to meet with him because they're like, hey, we're going to use you to keep all the genetic material of the mutants, make you forget about it until you later. Uh, and the Mr. Sinister is running it, is very sassy about a cape. He ends up getting killed by the Mr. Sinister as mutant DNA, and there's mm-hmm. a hilariously dry drawn aside, where Mr. Sinister leads in and is like, you're wondering which one it was who has the mutant DNA? It's me! (laughs) So funny. Super funny. And Um, then there's a bunch of gossip items for Mr. Sinister. What the fuck is that? Why are we reading a gossip column in the the middle of a goddamn comic book? teases for what's coming up in all the X-Men books. It's so good. I read a couple of them. I couldn't keep reading. It was just ridiculous. No, they're exactly what Justin said. There's stuff that's happened in the past, stuff that's happening in the future. Uh, It's teases for everything that's happening in October. It's great. Teases for um, Madeline Pryor. Teases for uh, Wolverine, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Love Triangle. For the third and maybe more Cyclops brother. Uh, I love that one. Yeah. That was great. A lot of talk. Personal fucking torture. A lot of talk about Inferno, oddly. Yes. uh, What do you mean? Because I love Inferno. You love Inferno? I I felt like that hint, the Inferno hint, was like there's an Inferno 2 coming up or something like that. I think so, because mentioning Madeline Pryor and then later Inferno feels like it's very on. Um, I feel like we could do a whole podcast breaking down uh, those things. Not right now, but maybe sometime in the future. Yeah. Like the very near future. Um, And then so we move into... What's the next section uh, is... Oh, uh, uh, Professor Xavier just drops off a dude for a year. Uh, Hey, here's a a bag. He's cool with it. So there's a lot going on in this section that I thought was kind of fascinating. Uh, Cypher, we learn how Cypher first communicates with Krakoa, but we also get Krakoa's backstory, which tells us for the first time about 
I don't, I don't know necessarily if it's an evil Krakoa, but another Krakoa, Krakoa that was split there. I want to guess evil. Yeah. <laughs> Monsters came out of the ground, and seemingly the only thing that fought them back were Apocalypse of the Four Horsemen. And for original horsemen, another thing that's teased in the Red Diamond section about how Apocalypse wants his original Four Horsemen back. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was very... Is that Archangel and that crew, or is it this original crew from the Krakoa? Yeah. Now, the other thing that was very subtly worked in there is Cypher in this iteration has uh, the... Technarch virus. I'm forgetting yeah. exactly what it's called. The phalanx. It, uh, yeah, the Technarch virus. Whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. So he's partially part of the phalanx, yeah. and there's a little shot of him touching the leaves of Krakoa and infecting it with the phalanx virus, which is feels like a big problem yeah. in the future. Yes, because in the last section of this comic, it's all about the phalanx. And this is the part where I was reading. I was like, oh, I bet Pete doesn't like this part. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I, t- I had that thought, too. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> uh, and this is sort of explored. We have this whole Falnix Technarch uh, thing that's been running through. it's also 100,000 years in the future yeah. or whatever it is. So not, You're not worried like, about that. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm dead. Yeah, so. You'll be, but it's also like we don't know what's going on or who anybody is. That was definitely the section that was not filling in information so much as continuing information. Yeah. We get to see this super future society that is trying to join the phalanx in some way. Phalanx has taken over the entire universe except for Earth, presumably. It seems that way, but right. we, again, we don't know. It also seems like they're not. They're trying to put in. Uh, sort of placeholders for themselves so they can maintain their independence is my take from it. I don't know if that's true. It's a dense section. I guess we'll see. Yeah, exactly. But this feels like there's been so much attention paid to the Falnix and sort of this technological uh, future war that's maybe happening. Very curious how that's going to play in because it feels so far away from all the other story elements. Yeah, I would say one of the great things about this issue and the storyline in total is those of us who have emotionally invested in Cypher since the beginning, really getting the payoff we've been asking for and the rest of you are shit out of luck. That's great. Audience audience of one. And then then you get more... (laughs) Uh, bullshit text at the end where it says Professor Xavier is just like, hey, I probably made a wrong decision, guys, but we all have to live with it. That's true. Yeah. That wasn't infuriating to anybody? Cool. No, that's no. that's what ha- always happens with Xavier. He right. always makes wrong decisions and everybody always has to live with them. And cool. he always apologizes for them. Yes. It's He's nice. terribly sorry. Did you see the hit movie X-Men Dark Phoenix? Same thing happens there. <laughs> I watched it on a plane this weekend. Oh, that's fun. Oh, is that yeah. your way to humble brag? You've been traveling? Ooh, <laughs> Mr. On a plane. I'm on a plane. I don't want to brag too much. I was on an airplane. Ooh, okay. Okay. <laughs> was it, did it go in the air or you just on the ground? <laughs> no, I just, it wasn't an airplane so much as a car. <laughs> okay. I, it wasn't a car. I I went inside of a store. Nice. You went in a store that was playing X-Men Dark Phoenix, which yeah. is the worst kind of store. Yeah, it was a Best Buy. <laughs> cool. Uh, where's Alex? Always oh, at Best Buy watching a movie. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I did watch uh, Star Wars Attack of the Clones in a Kmart once. <laughs> wow, man. That's a big share, man. A lot Thanks. of humble bracks coming out of Alex. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in. Attention Kmart, Kmart shoppers. Disregard the weird man. Watching a movie. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a Valiant comic book, Live Wire, Live Wire, excuse me, number 10. We've been really enjoying this book by Vida Ayala. Uh, this has embroiled Live Wire in some political intrigue. This continues that storyline here as she tries to repair her PR image. I'm really enjoying this take on the character. I think this is such a fun riff. Me too, and I love the use. It's uh, Comics has a hard time with politics, I feel like. Um, and this feels like just a great uh, use or a great combination of politics and the comic book art, superhero art form. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, what's tough about this is our main character is being like duped a little bit by other people, and that's a little frustrating because Livewire is such an amazing character and so badass. I hate to see her kind of like fall for. Somebody. I can't imagine what it feels like to be duped by a politician. So it's yeah. cool to see it on in this comic book. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd say to your point, I think what they're playing on is the fact that Livewire is at her lowest point. She's cut off from absolutely everybody, so she is a prime target for this sort of thing. Right? For yeah. duping. Yeah. For yeah. duping. Yeah. She's getting duped. She's getting duped. Image Comics Reaver number three, another title we've been enjoying. This is a hardcore fantasy epic by Justin <laughs> Jordan. Pete, bunch of heads getting lopped off this issue. What'd you think about it? Oh, uh, this is great. This is really fun. You kind of get a team sent into a town to kind of get some uh, get some things done. And I really like the way it kind of unfolded. Uh, it was, it's just such a creative. Uh, kind of take on these different characters, and I've really been enjoying each issue. The art's fantastic, really fun storytelling, a ton of action. Uh, yeah, it's fun. I like the way this book is able to um, break up the different characters and sort of serve each of them differently. I think it's a really well done uh, also, version of that. There's a great kind of onus on short people being like really powerful and being able to do a lot more than regular sized people. Why do you like that? I just think it's important. Now, did you hear there's going to be a movie version of Reaver? Uh, and they cast somebody to play that character uh, who's a tall person. A tall actress I can't think of. Right. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, Hugh Jackman. Bad, yeah. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's too bad. A bit could have been funny. If you it could have been funny. Yeah. You need a couple more details. You need a couple more details yeah. on Tell that. Tell you what, bit. we'll tape this again later. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's it's take fine. it again. Uh, I'm uh, curious what tall woman you were thinking of. <laughs> I was like, thinking, I was like, I don't know. Woman. I was honestly about to say Mila Jovovich, but I have no idea how tall she oh, okay. is. Interesting. Mila, if you're listening, and I know you are, please hit us back up with Charlize Theron is pretty tall. You <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If any actresses are listening to this podcast right now, just email us contextless your height. Gina Davis what? is very tall. Oh, is yeah. she? She's cool. Oh. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, uh, she they, was in Good Globe. Yeah. Oh, man, she was. They, uh, they cast Gina Davis, Pete. She's a great actress. Yeah, <laughs> as the short person, though. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. Glad we landed that plane, airplane. <laughs> airplane. <laughs> we were all just on an airplane in your face, cars. <laughs> From DC Comics, Event Leviathan number four. Oh, this is man. continuing Brian and Michael Bendis' tale uh, with Michael Gatos, right? Is on art? I believe so. Uh, doing uh, somebody has destroyed all the spy organizations in the DC universe. Bunch of detectives are trying to figure out what happened. Unmask the identity of Leviathan, the mastermind behind all of this. In this issue, we get to see Superman go toe-to-toe, kind of with Leviathan, and get scant few clues about the being's identity. How are you feeling about the series as we start to wrap it up? I think so. This is the most Bendis-y Bendis series of all time, I feel like. Um, it's literally... you couldn't get another Bendis in there. I'll find a way. It finds a way to have all the characters literally having the same discussion that everyone reading it is having. They're like, who is Leviathan? For... 80% of the issue is literally all the characters being like, what do you think? Is it you? What have you been doing? And like, it's like a long chatty conversation. There's a couple cutaways to some other shit that's happening. Lois Lane drives a very nice car, which I thought that was a funny moment, but it's truly 
the characters and the readers are asking the well, same even question. Well, the Lois Lane car moment, she's driving out of Bruce Wayne's house, and Silencer is out there, and is like, wait, who is that? Yeah. Oh, is that Lois Lane driving Bruce Wayne's car? That's interesting. What's she doing there? Yeah. Oh, it's, they're super bad. This is a book that has too many questions and no answers, and that's been a problem, I think, for this issue and the last Oh, couple. man, yes. I disagree. I'm really having fun with this book. I think it's very interesting how everybody's struggling with this and, like, trying to, you know, even the big hitters are having a hard time figuring out who, who this is and what's going on. And it's kind of fun that we're getting this kind of, like, them trying to figure out conversations as well. And especially around a, just a stack of cookies. You know, the, the important... Now we get to what you liked yeah, about the yeah, issue. It's great. I yeah. always like a good stack of cookies. There's nothing like a stack of cookies. You love a good uh, a comic where the but the butler has really left his mind. <laughs> yeah. The cookies but, are good. The milk's cold. But I I do think this is uh, a, a fun event. Uh, the old who done it, and I think they're doing a good <laughs> job of steering us in different directions. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see who is revealed. So as who Levi- who is Leviathan? I feel like I ask this question a lot. You are annoyed when I ask. I, I'm annoyed because they haven't actually given so it up. Make a guess. It's fun. That's the whole point of it. If we can't guess, then why are we reading this? I don't know. Uh, I still think it's Steve Trevor, just because he's been off screen for a while. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, it's not the I most mean, it, fun. Could, it could also be General Lane. That's another one because they point out that it's pretty weird that he was attacked but left alive. It's usually one of the Robins, so I'm going to go with that. Yeah, uh, Damien, that was my guess a, a few weeks ago. I, I do feel like it has to be someone in the room. The way this issue was written, it feels like it's yeah. somebody in the room there. Um, so Damien Wayne was my initial guess. Um, I think he'd be a good pick. Though what I was thinking reading this issue was, what about Green Arrow? Green Arrow? Yeah. Uh, uh, could be. Why, though? Well, he has this, like, sort of anti-corporate, anti-organization uh, mm-hmm. in his history. I feel like he could finally have been like, we need to get rid of all these spy organizations and change the, the And way I mean, that- I guess you could have, you could make an argument that, he, uh, I don't remember if, what continuity this is in, but he's certainly tied to the League of Assassins, which is where Leviathan started. Mm-hmm. So maybe he had a hostile takeover from Talia al Ghul or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I think it uh, could be. Yeah, we'll see what happens in 17 issues time. I'm kidding. There's two more. <laughs> Moving on to a Marvel comic book, Star Wars Age of Resistance, Supreme Leader Snoke, number one. This is by Tom Taylor, who wrote the Poe Dameron one shot that we really enjoyed a lot. Mm-hmm. This one is showing Supreme Leader Snoke, who had a very short life in the movie series, training Kylo Ren, taking him back to Dagobah. Yeah to the cave to Traven there. Pete, what do you think about this issue? Well, I think you guys as parents have really got to look at this and like, this is how you raise a child. Like, yeah. you know, the yeah. tough love is super important. You take yeah. them to a sketchy location, Dude. shove them in a cave for a couple days, see who emerges. You, you know what I mean? don't need to tell me. My kids have been roasting in that smoker all episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, so. Slow cooking. Mm-hmm. Raising a child is really like slow cooking them into adulthood. Wow. <laughs> wow. Nice job, man. Thank you. Nice uh, job. No, parent. Yeah, um, yeah. I've already picked out a couple of sewers and caves to take my kids to and Smart. leave them for a bit. Yeah, um, you got That's what planning is all about. Is planning, knowing ahead ahead of time. Ooh, wow, <laughs> planning is all about <laughs> planning. Wow, that's, that's super deep. Put that dude. on. Wait, did you just come up with that now? <laughs> yeah, I know. I actually plan on something. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so um, I don't know. This is like this is a comic that feels like suffers a little bit from the nature of some of these comics, where it's like. Hey, these characters, you know, the beginning and end and some of the middle. And we're adding a little section of the middle. And this felt like a story that you could have been like, oh, I 
I bet I could predict how this goes. Yeah, but I also really liked some of the choices that they made in this. Like, the fact that, like, Snow calls him out for being a little bitch and, like, hiding behind the fact that, like, hey, you can't just wear your Vader mask and hide, you know? Yeah. You've got to put yourself out there. I thought that was really cool. But I'm also glad we got the cutaway because I couldn't have taken, even though it's a comic book, watching him stab... Uh, Han and Carrie, like I just could not have taken Han and Carrie. <laughs> I could not <laughs> have taken it. Split there. Yeah. yeah, I call them Harrison and Leia. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. interesting you do that. Yeah. Uh, I call them the two lovers. Oh, nice. <laughs> the two lovers. The original lovers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My platonic ideal of sex. Yeah, this is not Adam quite as strong as the Poe Dameron issue, which was a lot of fun and had a great twist at the end. Um, I actually would have wanted to see more focus on Snoke without Kylo Ren, because yeah. this felt like a Kylo Ren issue versus a Snoke issue. And there's so many questions about him and his past. They even talk about them in this issue. I think there's so much more to do with the character. I would like to have seen that versus, to your point, stuff that we probably could have filled in the dots with. Although I really liked the ending. I thought that was really cool. One bit I did like, though, is um, the the story follows in the idea set up in the most recent Star Wars movie of, like, burn the past. Like, Mm -hmm. we have to move forward, which I prefer that. It's Tom Taylor. You prefer to burn the past? Uh, and when it relates to Star Wars, I much prefer um, Ryan Johnson's take than the sort of like, let's make the same movie again wow. uh, of that we saw in episode uh, seven. Yeah, and yeah, we'll yeah, probably yeah, be yeah, seeing yeah, in episode yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. Oh, OK. It's, Can I finish my sentence? <laughs> no, I mean, planning. if you're going to just, you know, I, yeah, it's a very common. OK. Well, what? Are you calling me common? Well, I'm just saying I, you didn't have to explain it. I knew what you were saying. Okay. Yeah, I sort of get what you guys are saying, but the only Star Wars movie I've seen was Attack of the Clones, which <laughs> no. I saw in a Kmart. Oh, yeah. That's true. Sound so, up or no? Uh, no, no sound. Oh, yeah, good. That's no the sound. best way to watch the prequel. <laughs> yeah, it was on a small TV. <laughs> one, every other TV was showing like something cool, and one TV. Yeah, I was like, I want to watch that. <laughs> What, why are those clones attacking? I again, Alex, I'm glad you brought it up again. Still cool. <laughs> <laughs> Image Comics Thumbs, number four by Sean Lewis. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago to talk about this very book. We've been loving this book so on the show. Good. It is about a uh, technarchy, I guess, has taken over the entire world. Uh, what? You love saying technarchy. I do love yeah, saying technarchy. That's a different... Uh, I think you mean technocracy? Technocracy. Oh, I do te- mean technarchy is from... Right. <laughs> it's sort of like a phalanx X-Men type yeah. thing. <laughs> cool. Uh, has taken over the world, and uh, there's a couple of folks who are fighting against it, kind of, uh, or rather just trying to find some people who have been lost to them. Um, the art is absolutely gorgeous. So the story good. is exciting. How would you guys feel about the this issue? art alone is worth picking up this book. It is so amazing. If you haven't read it, it sort of has uh, Chris Bocciolo style to it. It's like Chris Bocciolo meets Frank Miller. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, it's because it's a little yeah less detailed is, uh, than uh, Chris Bachelor's work. But I love the way uh, the way the sort of quote unquote camera sits in a lot yeah. of these panels is so good. So many close ups which you don't see in a lot of comics. Uh, the art's great. I love the story. It's so unique, so original. And also uh, the coloring is a big yeah. part of it as so well. The reds, yeah, the yeah. reds really pop. Uh, they're uh, against the blacks and the whites and everything. Great comic book from top to bottom. Yeah, it's a very interesting story. I'm. Very intrigued to see how this lands or where this goes. Uh, so far, it's been really killing it. There's a real gut punch at the end, too. I don't want to yeah. spoil it, but no. uh, it gets to a big emotional place, and we have one more issue to go. And Thumb's always been your favorite finger. Yep. You like make, using tools? 
Sure do, man. <laughs> Pretty cool. Tool guy. All right, another image comic book, Trees, Three Fates, number one. This is continuing this story from Warren Ellis um, about a world where these enormous alien pillars called mm. trees fell to Earth. That's pretty much it. There's not much else that happens other than that completely changes yeah. society. Here we find a small town that was afflicted by one of the trees, dealing with a murder mystery right around the base of one of the trees. What do you guys think about this issue? I like this. It's You never know what Warren Ellis is going to do, finish, or go back to. And I'm surprised he went back to this world, but I like it. It's it's good. Uh, the great catalyst to tell whatever story he wants to tell in this world. And this is a cool one. Good twist at the end. Yeah, I mean the way it starts too with the you know classic fight, uh, you know relationship fight, and you know that's you know people have always kind of wanted to end relationships by dropping a giant tree on somebody. You're an and anvil. I, yeah, I think it, it works well in this comic. Yeah, uh, we should mention that Pete dates a lot of cartoons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big. You're over in Toontown a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> around that Roger Rabbit lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is great. What I love about this, and, and you touched on this a bit, Justin, is the idea that in almost any other comic book, it would be all about the trees fall, what's inside of them. We have yeah. to stop the trees. Oh, my God, they're opening up, and there's big monsters attacking the world. But this is just, nope, It in subtle and big wages, ways, changes the way the world works, but yeah. otherwise the world is just trucking along. Yeah. And it's fascinating to read. I'm very excited to see where this goes. Yeah, and I wonder, will we ever know what the deal is? Yeah. I don't think so. That's funny. Yeah. It's very funny. <laughs> From DC Comics, <laughs> Gotham City Monsters number one. This is Steve Orlando trucking through the back end of the DC universe as only he can, pulling out all the continuity stuff with all of the different monsters who live in Gotham City, uh, pitting them against an ultimate evil from the multiverse. This was a blast. I loved yeah. reading this. Steve Orlando is so good at just like taking uh, characters and just fleshing out their details and like putting it into a larger story. And he does this with each of the characters. I vampires in this it was a character that maybe not a lot of people even talk about. Uh, you got Killer Croc. Yeah, Killer uh, Croc was great. You love a Killer Croc. Oh, the yeah. villain he, was super scary looking. Yeah, he's yeah. like some sort of jigsaw looking motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. Real circle cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his the way Steve Orlando writes Frankenstein in particular so is so good, fantastic, so. Good. so Funny and dark and darkly humorous at the same time. Yeah. This is also... Uh, DC does this very well in general. This is starting a little early, but this is a perfect Halloween book. Yeah. It's great. It's dark. It's disturbing. It's clearly going so much bigger than it has to, and yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's huge. All yeah. the storytelling is on the page. It's a really fun read. Yeah, definitely pick it up. Uh, here's an advanced review from Dark Horse Comics coming out September 18th. Steeple number one concept of this book is a lady moves to a small town to help out the, what would you call it, diocese, I guess? Yeah, church uh, people. Church people. Uh, and she discovers a little more than she bargained for. I didn't know what to expect going into this book. I loved it. I did too. It was so good. Oh, my I God. I love how just like... Basic and fun, the premises, and uh, everything's super grounded, even though it gets pretty wild, uh, the premise. Yeah, and fast. Fast, and it's just great. I really thought this yeah, reminded I me of Bone, the Jeff Smith book yeah. that I love so much. Oh, yeah, it yeah. has some elements of that in a, in a good way. Yeah, I mean, uh, just the art's fantastic, great storytelling, amazing action. Uh, just does such a great job of immediately sucking you in, getting you on board with what's happening. Uh, this was so great. Really creative, really fun. 
It reminds me, the art reminds me a little bit of Giant Days from Boom Studios. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know if it, I don't think it's the same artist. But, I don't think so. Uh, but it's a little bit like that. It's very fun. But at the same time, I think we could mention that there's some supernatural goings on in the town that she ends Dude, up having to deal with. Spoilers, it's bro. not really a spoiler. It's right there in the concept. Uh, but it uh, expands out from there. And I, I think the thing that works so well about it is how grounded the characters are. Yeah. They're very straightforward. They're very simple. They're very plain spoken throughout. Um, so it's very low stake, high stakes, everything that's going on, that while you have these characters kind of going about their everyday business, they're still dealing with the end of the world at the same yeah. time. And it's very fun. This is the church. This is the steeples. Open the door and see all the readers. Wow. wow. Nice. There's your pull <laughs> quote right there. <laughs> Put that on your book. From Marvel Comics, Silver Surfer Black, number four. This is the penultimate issue of Trad Moore and Donny Cates' series, taking the Silver Surfer back in time. His... Uh, Power Cosmic is slowly getting corrupted as he's back in time. He's been battling Null, everybody's favorite Yeah, dude. Get dude. that dude everywhere. Null's yep. going to be when Squirrel Girl coming up. Ugh. Null's going to be <laughs> Why did you make that noise? I don't know. Yeah, it's You're Nulled much, out. It's too much Null. Well, come too on, much man. Null. Too much Null. I love this book. It's too much Null. Well, Just like, you're ridiculous. give them to me in like little pieces. Like, dole them out a little bit. No, you know? Not all at once. Sorry, oh, yeah. I feel like that gif of uh, Homer Simpson getting the donut stuffed in his face over and over in hell. Except with no. I oh, feel nice. like... Uh, I just want like, yeah, I love this, but stop stuffing it in my face. I want, Again, Alex is very cool. He speaks in gifts. I just want to be this gift that is Homer backing up into that bush and disappearing when nice. you talk so... Which uh, Homer Simpson gift would you yeah. like to be, Justin? I want to be a real boy. Uh, not a little repeated gif. Oh, man. Guys, you got to break out of your shell. Nope, never. So, uh, yeah, we we see him dealing with Ego, the living planet. The big cliffhanger the last issue is Ego is dealing with something that's stuck inside him. Turns out it's the cube that Galactus used to escape from his dying universe, the thing that turns him into Galactus as he moves from the previous universe to the Marvel Universe we know. And Silver Surfer is, has to weigh a choice. Does he kill Galactus when he's still Galen? Still relatively human. Just a regular astronaut. Regular dude in a cube uh, before he becomes Galactus. Uh, or does he let the universe continue on its path? We get some guest stars again on this issue. A lot of moralizing. Uh, this series is so wonderful. I love it. The art is so good. I said this before, and I, I maybe it seems like overstating, but this feels like the Sandman for the Silver Surfer. Uh, it feels like it's creating a mythology around all these characters in the Silver Surfer's world and uh, blowing it out in an interesting, fun way. Art's fantastic. I love this book. Yeah, it's just so creative and so unique and well done. It's it's really fun to read. You have no idea where it's going to go. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a, a fantastic package. The writing and the art together, they're just killing it. I'm very nervous about where we're going to end up in the last issue because it feels like they might make some big moves and big changes to the Silver Surfer. I, I feel like this is going to have a lasting impact, which you wouldn't necessarily expect from a series like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, let more know, I guess. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, Every issue know? Yeah, Just stuff those saying. donuts in my face, man. Bring it on. More donuts. Last one to talk about from DC Comics, The Riddler, Year of the Villain, number one. Wow. This is from Mark Russell, who also wrote the Sinestro one-shot that we really enjoyed a lot. Uh, in this one, the Riddler is dealing with the fact that every other villain in the DC universe has been given an offer by Lex Luthor except for him. 
And at the same time, he's working with, uh, what's the guy's name? T- King, King Tut? King, it's yeah. King Tut? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, King Tut, another Riddle-themed villain uh, who's very into the two of them teaming a worse, up. A worse Riddle-themed uh, yes, villain. Yes, a worse Riddle-themed villain. Uh, and there's some big changes throughout the issue. For Riddler, what do you guys think about this one? You got Super fun. Apex Lex in this one. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it, it was weird because Batman was kind of a douche in this. He was yeah. like, you know, like, I'll be back in a half an hour, guys. Cocky. Yeah, very I, cocky. I did love, which seems so out of character and so ridiculous, but the thing with the Gotham City police being like, hey, you want us to put some pizza in the fridge for you, Batman? Yeah, super funny. The idea that, A, they're just kind of hanging out together, B, that Batman ever eats pizza. <laughs> very funny. Oh, he loves to scarf a slice. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly doesn't? after Catwoman left. No, exactly. Sad. Oh. He's just like, Dude, uh, really brought meat it lovers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really brought it down with that. Yeah. Uh, Probably Bane's leaving him messages now and be like, I found the pizza you left in the fridge. <laughs> I like, I'm in line for the pizza tour. But I do, <laughs> I did think this was very uh, creative and well done. Uh, it was fun to see Riddler kind of so shook. Yeah, man. When you got to write riddles all day, it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's stressful. Yeah. You know how hard it is to figure out riddles? No. Imagine, no, you don't? Peter's no. a riddle master. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. yeah, no, I just keep reading and then they solve it for me. I don't. Oh, in the comic it. books. I was talking yeah. about riddles in the world. Oh, I don't do that either. You don't encounter riddles? Nope, nope. Wow, well, okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I just think that, like, this is, I'm very interested to see what, how the riddle, Riddler evolves from this. I thought this was great. Mark Russell is he's a singular writer. His his comics stand alone, and this is just another great example of that. They're super funny, but they also have like a moral or real center at, uh, that he gets to with all these uh, single issues and the larger stories he's done. Um, and this one about like, hey Riddler, I just think you never grew up. Yeah, that was uh, fucking tough. It man. was tough. I was like, oh, don't you fucking put that mirror up to my face, man. Oh, I can't take it. Yeah, it's so cool that uh, to get to the core of a character like that in this sort of event-based one-shot is super fun. And it's also the King Tut stuff is super funny uh, throughout as like a shitty Riddler. It's great. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on down. We'll chat with you about comics. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you at the smoker later for some nice barbecue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank you all. Y'all come on down. What? I don't know. I think I had a little bit of a stroke there. (laughs) 